1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to hour two of Mornings Without Carmen. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for today on this Monday morning, and Carmen is going to be away all week, enjoying some rest and relaxation. Here is part of the middle of June. I know there's some heat waves going on through our country. I hope she stays cool. Hope you stay cool in the midst of all of that as well. We'll continue to talk about uh, bringing the mind of Christ into the headlines of the day. And uh, Paul Perot, you always fill my desk with all kinds of headlines. I love to scour through them, and we cover a lot of serious topics, as we should, and talk about how we as believers can interact within all of these ongoing, very fluid, sometimes chaotic, difficult to understand situations, and, and just really bring a lot of peace and, and hope and joy into all of that. But there's always some fun headlines, too. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. Which and, one are you it, thinking th- about well, this time? I love this one. This is, this is I grew up, I'm sure many uh, people as part of the Faith Radio family grew up as well, as part of the Scooby-Doo era, and we all have the opportunity. Now, nobody go on to Airbnb this morning and, and beat me to all of this, but we all have the opportunity to to go on Airbnb this morning because the Mystery Machine, the famous green van from Scooby-Doo, is being advertised on Airbnb. And of <laughs> all... <laughs> there it is, the Scooby-Doo laugh. And and of all things, Shaggy, one of my... There, there was Fred... And Thelma and Louise, and, and they never were able to really solve the mystery, despite all of their obvious intellectual advantage over Shaggy and, and Scooby. They never really managed to solve those mysteries. It, if, they, if
2: it wasn't for Scooby it, and Shaggy bumbling into things,
1: it never would have been yeah, solved. And it always got resolved. But of all things, Shaggy is going to be, the, the actual actor, actor that, that voiced Shaggy is going to be there hosting the opportunity for anyone that would like to, uh, to stay overnight. In the Mystery Machine, you you can you can actually reserve on the on a one night stay on June twenty fourth, twenty fifth, or 26th. It's going to be decked out in all of the usual Mystery Machine decor. You can play games. There's going to be snacks, and again, you get a chance to meet Shaggy. Sure? Is, is there is there anything? But now you know. I don't know. If, were you a Scooby Doo guy, Paul? Actually, no. I I really didn't like Scooby Doo growing up. Well, it was a, it was always a little disturbing. I mean, some of the ghosts and the specters well, and villains that and vampires it, that it they just, had to fight.
2: I, I didn't get into it.
1: No, oh, I was a big Scrappy-Doo guy, I have to admit. Once they brought in Scooby's nephew and, and we had Scrappy Power. And, and, and so oh, now that you was had, terrible. Now you had two dogs and a Shaggy. <laughs> that good that yeah, solve. Yeah, that just got ugly. Yeah, these mysteries. And one of my other favorite headlines from this morning, too, is that the Houston Police Department is asking for help identifying three suspects in the robbery of a liquor store. That uh, surveillance video shows that they broke into a case and they stole what they thought was a $4,200 bottle of liquor, but it was actually a decoy. They got away with absolutely nothing. with all of the the smash and grab and the break-ins and robberies going on. I just love it when, when people are foiled in this way. Did they put a homing device on that bottle? I don't know how they're going to find them. I, I really don't. Uh, okay. It always brings up the question, though, and we cover this in my ethics class in school, is that we talk about in the Ten Commandments that thou shall not lie or thou shall not bear false witness. Mm-hmm. But it's one of these classic conversations that is that true in all cl- cases where they write to lie putting out a decoy that wasn't actually a bottle or is a a Mm. head fake in basketball something that we shouldn't do as believers when you leave your lights on at home pretending you're at home when you're actually not for the burglars all of these things they're wonderful ethical conversations as we talk about being kingdom people you really want to dig deep into that do you well it's it it does bring up some interesting because again the the the, the core (laughs) principle is lying in a way that denies somebody their their just rights indeed that's very so. good so love to hear your comments on any of that as a part of our morning eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four 933 when we come back in just a minute we'll be joined by mindy belts who joins us regularly on mornings with karma to cover some of the global international headlines Welcome back to Mornings Without Carmen. Peter Kapsner filling in for today. And we are joined by Mindy Bells, who joins us regularly to talk about some of the international headlines. Good morning, Mindy.
0: Good morning, Peter.
1: So I know you heard the top of the hour uh, back to the Scooby-Doo conversation just briefly here. <laughs> uh, so so if some, w- would you pay for a big night fan. in the Mystery Machine? Uh, or, or would you, if somebody paid for you, would you have any interest in this at all, Mindy?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, big favorite. I mean, he spans they span baby boomers to um millennials, right?
1: They do. They do. No, and, yeah. and my yeah, my kids would still love uh, Scooby Doo some somehow there was a timelessness associated with that. Well there's no transition from that conversation to some of the more difficult <laughs> ones, but there are some difficult conversations out there and and I'm afraid that we've gotten maybe a little war weary in terms of what is going on in Ukraine and Russia and, and it's sort of uh, Moves away from our public consciousness, but there's still a lot going on there, and everything that has been at risk remains at risk. So, t- take us into what's going on.
0: Yeah, I think um, it, you know we in in our in our armchairs aren't uh, immune from from the war re- weariness. The war weariness is everyone, even top pundits who are saying you know we need a negotiated truce we need to find a way out of this putin is too strong Russia is too strong but you know i think there's a really compelling argument to be made for just what the ukrainian people have done and what they have their president has done over the last now 100 plus days of war no one expected them to be triumphant over russia only you know other major nuclear power in the world And they continue to to battle Ukraine uh battle Russia back to stalemates. And that's kind of what we're starting to see in this Donetsk region, um, the the eastern region of the country where everyone thought Russia Russia has had forces in that part of the country since twenty fourteen. Russia, you'll remember, pulled back from Kiev, the capital, and some of those areas where they committed these gross atrocities that we don't want to lose sight of. Um, but they pulled back from that because they couldn't, they weren't victorious. Now they're, they're not victorious in this area that we're told is largely, uh, in favor of Russia in favor of, of, um, of their occupation. And so I, I think there's a really compelling case to be made for letting Ukraine fight this out and helping them as we can. And that does seem to be what the Biden administration is doing. It's a, it's, It's a fraught situation because it's war, and it's going to continue to be difficult. But I think um, the reality is that that if Putin succeeds, even in gaining more territory here, I think that we're going to have more difficult conversations. We're just going to be kicking them down the road a little bit, or more difficult choices, I should say.
1: Yeah, it seems like there is a bit of a seemingly irresolvable tension here, where if Putin just backs away and doesn't gain any territory— in this invasion, he's going to lose all face and thus lose all power. But on the flip side of it, Zelensky, understandably, doesn't want to even give up an inch of Ukrainian soil. So how do they resolve the situation other than ongoing conflict until somebody just beats the other person into submission? It's, it's really hard to watch.
0: It is very hard to watch. And it's especially hard to watch the civilian atrocities, which continue. Uh, you know, we're just seeing how. Russia is using attacks on civilians to try to break the spirit of Ukraine. Um, I think it's important to remember something that our forefathers in the faith said, which is God works contrary to means. And what we're waiting for is the thing we don't know. We're waiting for one of them to break. And I tend to think that um, that that things on sort of a philosophical level. Uh, a patriotic level, a political level, and a military level are not really going in Russia's favor. They continue to have, they're not in the right on this. And so it's going to continue to be an uphill battle for Russia. I think down the road, what we're looking at, yes, there will be some kind of ceasefire if it ever comes to that. There would be some kind of negotiated settlement. If they can get to that point, and then Putin would be under tremendous pressure, I think, from both sides to give up something. And what does he give up is going to be the big question. But what we have to realize is that in order to patrol this area, in order to keep Putin at bay, as long as Putin or someone like him is in power in Russia, we're going to be looking at some kind of international peacekeeping force some kind of international involvement there. And that's where it's going to get tricky because there just doesn't seem to be the will on the part of Europe and the U.S. to do that sort of thing. And it's going to take that because this is in Europe's backyard. So I think it's interesting. I think political, if you look at things like European papers, German newspapers, that kind of thing, the political movement is in, is, continues to be in Ukraine's favor. The economic pressure continues to be powerful against Russia. So we're looking for what is that way, that contrary to means way in which God is going to work in this situation.
1: It's the voice of Mindy Bells who joins us this morning. Reliable work journalistically on many of the headlines internationally that really do impact uh, our our way of life in this world. You can find her work at the Globetrot blog at Mindy Bells, which is M-I-N-D-Y-B-E-L-Z dot substack. Dot com. And when we come back from a short break, I want to talk about some of the spillover impact of this war in Ukraine, including Turkey now moving into Syria as a result of holding, uh, holding NATO hostage in, in some of these other countries that want to join NATO, too. So more to come. Back in a moment. Stay with us on Mornings Without Carmen. Welcome back to Mornings Without Carmen. Peter Kapsner filling in for today on the 13th of June, the rest of the week as well. Mindy Bells has joined us to talk about some of the international headlines. And Mindy, we just covered a bit of what's going on in Ukraine. But there is a spillover effect. And it seems like global leaders try to take advantage and exploit certain kinds of situations. And this is what we see happening in Turkey. So tell us about this headline.
0: Right. Well, Turkey is a member of NATO and it actually, people are always surprised, but it's just, it has the second largest army in NATO, larger than Britain, larger than Germany, larger than the French army. And so it has tremendous influence in NATO. Um, because of the war in Ukraine, the shifting, I mean, we really are seeing a global shift as a result of of Russia's attack on Ukraine and, um, Sweden and Finland historically and without precedent, have appealed to and been accepted to join NATO. But all the members of NATO have to vote to accept them. And Turkey initially, President Erdogan uh, said, yes, gave a go ahead, gave a green light to personally to the uh, Finnish and Swedish heads of state. But then he saw an advantage for himself there. And that is that, you know, since 2018, 2019, Erdogan has been trying to expand his reach and his influence by creating a buffer zone into Syria, which continues to be a contested space, even though we're not hearing so much about the war there. And so he saw another opportunity to do that because you have NATO powers, the United States, some of the European powers involved in the conflict in in Syria. And you have Russia, which has been fighting on the side of the Assad regime, very much dropping up the Assad regime in Syria. And so he decides again to push for creating this buffer zone inside Syria. The problem is that where he's attacking with artillery strikes, we're not hearing about this in the news, but there are daily artillery strikes on civilian areas. And they are precisely the areas where the kind of stability and democracy we'd like to see take hold in Syria is actually happening. And those areas are very diverse and historic regions I've traveled them many times of Christian, Arab, Yazidi, Kurdish um, life. And so they are attacking again, as we're seeing in Ukraine, attacking something that we want to see thrive and survive. And so it puts the United States in this very difficult position, trying to sort of woo Turkey to the negotiating table to accept Sweden, Finland, and NATO. And at the same time, Turkey is attacking its allies in Syria, will the United States respond? And we're seeing sort of a similar dance that we're seeing in Ukraine, where the United States is supporting. I'm looking at videos where you see US flagged convoys going in to support the Kurds in Northern Syria. It's a very fragile situation. And it's something that we're gonna wanna keep an eye on. And I think it's a very important uh, area for Christians in particular, because it's really the heart of historic Christianity there in that Syria, Turkey, and northern Iraq region. We don't hear about it a lot, but some of the oldest churches in the world are in that area.
1: Talking with Mindy Bells this morning about some of the headlines. and Mindy, you uh, referenced Sweden and Finland, and this is quite a historic shift that they would maybe move from a position of neutrality to a position of wanting to join NATO. And when these sorts of battle lines start getting drawn, this doesn't necessarily decrease the tension. They're, they're actually wanting to get involved with NATO from a sense of protection because there is ongoing aggression in so many parts of this world. And back to Turkey, what you just mentioned, how does a country like the United States stay allies with a country like Turkey that is clearly operating from a place of aggression and trying to, to make a power grab in the midst of what's going on in Ukraine and, and Russia as well.
0: Right. And it's not only aggression on, on Turkey's part, it's sort of the naked way that we think of it with someone like Vladimir Putin. This is, this is aggression that is aligned with Islamic extremism. There's ample evidence of how Erdogan has supported ISIS, supported terror groups, allowed them access across the border into Syria. So it really is hitting the United States on multiple fronts. We have a NATO ally who is working against us in the war on terrorism and now working against us in the war against Russia. And how do you deal with that? And I think it's really tough because you can't just um, jettison a NATO, a, a member of NATO, like it, it's a really difficult process to kick someone out of NATO. And once you do that, then you don't have Turkey at the table. You basically push them into the arms of someone like Vladimir Putin, or push them into furthering their allow- alliances with Islamic State type groups. And we don't want to do that. So this is where diplomacy gets very, very difficult, because you, you the carrot and the sick are... Um, are, are, you know, easy to talk about and hard to do in principle. But I think, you know, it seems like the principal NATO allies have no intention of getting, kicking uh, Turkey out, but how to work with them is very, very difficult. And I, but here, let's not lose sight of one thing, and that is the people. Turkey is for all the freedoms that have disappeared under Erdogan. You no longer have real free press. You have a, uh, his party dominates the, the legislature. At the same time, there still are elections. There still is vibrant, um, private institutions in Turkey and vibrant local governments in Turkey. And so we want to hope that people who are very frustrated with the situation internally will be putting pressure on Erdogan's government. And that's the same thing that we can hope for in Russia, that Russia has a whole populace that cannot be happy with what is happening under Putin. And and so where those things will uh, take these countries internally is something that we want to watch also.
1: Mindy, one more headline a little closer to home. We're expecting a, a, some sort of joint partnership or declaration between the United States and Latin America that is going to address some of the ongoing migration and immigration surge. And there, there is a sense in which that for some anyway, that to the extent that we allow for more immigration is the extent to which the United States might solve what is an ongoing labor crisis, where there's a, still a lot of jobs, there's very low unemployment, and yet there isn't people that are available to take these jobs. So what are we seeing in this headline?
0: Yeah, and again, these are are moving um, moving pressure points uh, because of the world where we're living in and coming out of the pandemic. We're all aware, we go into our grocery stores, we try to get our car fixed, we try to get a a carpenter to show up at our house. We're aware of this massive labor shortage that we're facing in the United States. And many people are arguing, I think with, with, with valid reasons that one of the ways we can help our labor shortage right now is if we figure out an orderly way to allow this, uh, some of the migrants and some of the people who've been waiting in queues to come into the United States, we create legal ways for them to do that. Congress and, um, uh, The powers in the White House, but Congress especially, have not been able to come to an agreement on this. And so I think that the Biden administration has used this Summit of the Americas that took place last week and and discussions continuing into this week to try to make an agreement with the um, with our Latin American neighbors that will, uh, that will sort of re- release the pressure valve that we're feeling at the southern border but would begin to allow us to process this massive um, number of people. I'm not explaining that very well, but I do think that we have to look realistically at, um, at what our own situation is and how we can accommodate people who reasonably can come through our system. I think the system is in place it's just gotten bogged down, and we have to figure out a way to sort of stop the traffic jam. I also think, you know, we don't want to lose sight of the incredible work that's been happening there at the border throughout what many have called a a migrant crisis, and that is the faith-based shelters that have been sponsored by dozens and dozens of churches that have operated without stopping now for, for years to try to help these people. We want to continue to sort of keep we want orderly processes. We, want, we don't want our border to be compromised. But we also want to take care of and show compassion to people who are in desperate situations that have prompted them to try to get into the United States.
1: I appreciate the work here, Mindy. Again, if you want to check out Mindy's work, you can go to mindybells.substack.com. That's M-I-N-D-Y-B-E-L-Z.substack.com. Dot com. Mindy does a great job in a reliable way as a journalist, longtime journalist covering these headlines. Mindy, have a great rest of the morning.
0: Thank you, Peter.
1: We'll take a short break and preview what's coming up in the last half of hour two of Mornings with Carmen. Looking forward to this next conversation with Nick Hall of Pulse, and uh, we're going to be covering the Together 22 event. If you don't know what that is, it is uh, the resurgence or reemergence of a pretty significant event in the Cotton Bowl in in Texas, and it's a gathering of young people to talk about evangelism. And and you, if you hear me talk with Carmen on Thursday mornings or when I'm hosting the show like this, uh, you know that my environment is so often week in and week out with young people ages 18 to 22, 23. And we talk a lot about the, legitimate mental health crises that are going on. We talk a lot about uh, the lack of desire to attend institutional church, even though there remains quite a bit of interest in spirituality and, and things that are uh, not part of just normal life, part of part of our otherworldly life in which we live and in the way in which they engage. And there's a lot of confusion and a lot of turmoil. But in the midst of all of that, there also is a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of hope, a lot of young people that are going to carry on this message. And so we're going to talk with Nick Hall next on Mornings Without Carmen about Together 22 and the long history that goes all the way back to Billy Graham. He put that out. Big event coming up in Dallas, Texas here in about 11 days, 24th and 25th of June, called Together 22, a gathering of young people filling up the Cotton Bowl Stadium to talk about how we can better make Jesus known, especially in the next generation. We're joined by Nick Hall, who is a part of the Pulse ministry that puts on this conference. Good morning, Nick. Hey, good morning. Glad to be here. Yeah, great to have you. It sounds like uh, you, you are expecting a, a full stadium of primarily young people to join you. Uh, tell us about this conference and some of its history as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, first off, thanks for having me on. Love uh, love everything that's going on, uh, man, here with Faith Radio and, and uh, man, the whole KTS family. Um, this event uh, is coming out of something that changed my life before I was even born. So in 1972, there was a gathering in June uh, of 1972 at the Cotton Bowl called Explo 72. It was Billy Graham and Bill Bright, um, Keith Green, Larry Norman, uh, Andre Crouch, and the Disciples. Uh, it was the largest gathering of the Jesus people, and it was the largest training event in American history. And that event resulted in uh, students all over America getting trained and equipped to share Jesus. And they literally went home, uh, all 50 states, and they they changed the spiritual landscape of the nation. I mean, it it resulted in families being changed, schools being changed, and it changed my family. Um, Back in North Dakota, the kids came back and they planned events across our state which is where i grew up and, and that's how my dad gave his life to christ um it also is how uh, a number of the pastors that mentored and discipled me felt their call into vocational ministry even to this day my pastor uh so i've had three or four pastors that were impacted and shaped by that event in 72 but even now i i go to a church in in a western suburb of the twin cities and my pastor Grew up in Iowa and road tripped it down to Explo and, and got his calling there. So, you know, this summer on that 50 year anniversary, we're doing it again. We really are passionately believing that we need to see a resurgence of people talking about Jesus. Uh, people who are equipped to come alongside those who are hurting. And, uh, and yeah, so Together 22 on the 50 year anniversary of Explo 72 Our our belief is that this will be the largest training since Expo, and uh, I think it will be the largest training that's ever happened in our country.
1: Yeah, and the power of being able to get together in person like this, Nick, there was such a change in the way people experienced community kinds of ministry, whether that be church or parachurch ministry. A lot of it was done through technology or Zoom meetings, live streaming, but there really is something about the gathering of people. And and. As devastating as COVID has been and continues to be in so many ways, and and it really has been those things, there's almost a suddenness with which we have become comfortable gathering again in some of these locations like this. And there is power in people coming together.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I I love to tell people that, I mean, if anybody could have, uh, you know, live streamed it, it's an omnipresent God. Uh, and yet Jesus chose to show up. you know, I mean, he showed up in one place at one time uh two thousand years ago. Um, presence matters uh it matters biblically, um you know it matters emotionally, it matters spiritually and uh, and so there's there's no substitute for for being together. I mean, Hebrews, it says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And, and I think we've seen, I mean, yes, there have been some positives. I think that you can see with the explosion of, of digital activity and and things happening on places like TikTok or, you know, live stream services, um, certainly giving churches and ministries the chance to reach new audiences. But, On the other side of the coin, uh, the mental health crisis that has resulted from so much social isolation, especially on young people, has had, you know, really hard effects. And so, man, I just think the more we can, um, in some ways, even force ourselves to get back into the rhythm of, you know, face to face Bible studies, face to face, going to church, um, being with the fellowship of believers now, our appetite may be changed, and, and, and that may be a good thing as well, that, that you got, man, you realize you wanted more Bible teaching, or, or there's something that you you've realized you were missing before. That's fine, but don't give up uh, the gathering. And, and so this, this gathering, I think, is, is really young people and youth groups and churches coming from all 50 states. We have groups registered from all over America. Uh, people are traveling from Europe. They're traveling from Asia um again there there is just there is an urgency uh to see the hope of jesus uh get back out there i think the last two years I've, i really was stirred just seeing how many christians it seemed became very loud uh whether it was during the pandemic or during all the political uh, chaos that's happened or during the you know the the justice uh man marches and riots and everything else like christians were loud and, and yet it seemed in many places like we were silent about what mattered when it came to the gospel and the hope of jesus uh, because people have never been hurting more and so our our hope and our, our single aim with this gathering is to see a resurgence of people sharing jesus and uh, loving their neighbor and making Jesus known.
1: Talking to Nick Hall from Together 22. It's the 50th anniversary of what has been a long-term gathering of people to empower and equip young people to share their faith. And Nick, the the story of God's beautiful kingdom of what Jesus did on the cross and, and the breaking through of that tomb, thus conquering sin and death on that Easter morning, that story has not changed, but but surely the way we need to share and talk about our faith has changed. What are you noticing among some of the greatest challenges that young people face and sharing their faith today?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest change is just distraction. You know, I think people are so distracted and so busy. I mean, there's just so many things flying at people. And then when you add that, that to uh, just the the pressures of, of how politically incorrect and how socially in, inappropriate it may seem to talk about Jesus and heaven and hell, um, you know, there's a lot of pressures that are stacked against. I mean, you can, you can almost be bold about anything. Uh, you can be bold about, you know, what bathroom you want to use or, uh, you know, how you're going to vote or your position on a mask or a vaccine. You can be bold on, you know, just all kinds of stuff. But man, if you're bold on your faith, uh, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of Uh, social pressure to not do that to not be that person and so i think more than anything today like we're just trying to rally people back to the hope and the clarity that the scripture gives of what it means to be a believer and a follower of jesus that that our calling is has to follow the example of this man this jesus of nazareth what did he do how did he live what did he say? What did he do? And, 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 and those are, that doesn't change. There, there isn't a a clause in the contract that says, I can be a Christian, but I don't have to do, you know, these things. It's no like all of us are called to follow him, to live like him. And, and that, that is a hard task. But the good news is God's given us the Holy Spirit to fuel us, And as Jesus said in John 15, He said, "If you remain in Me, if you abide in Me, uh, you will bear fruit." And uh, and so fruit follows a person who is following Jesus. Um, That's not that that is normal Christian life. Is people around us should be changed, and if people around you aren't changed, and people around you aren't coming to Jesus. You've got to check the power cord you got to check the, the connection and you got to ask what are you following and so you know so this summer uh, again just in a couple weeks here uh, we got a ton of artists a ton of preachers you know messages everybody from Francis Chan to Tony Evans to Christine Kane uh, will Graham uh, Billy Graham's grandson um, but the, the, the heart of it is to equip and to inspire. And then there's going to be awesome worship and commissioning moments. Everybody from Chris Tomlin to Crowder to Israel Houghton, Tasha Cobb. And, um, yeah, it's just going to be a lot of fun.
1: Nick, you still have room for people to come to?
2: Absolutely. You know, groups are, are registering every day. Uh, the Cotton Bowl is one of the top 10 largest stadiums in America. So there should be room. And, uh, we even, we even just had an awesome announcement, the Chosen, um, is going to be doing a, a massive uh, uh, kind of a, a global premiere of a documentary. Dallas Jenkins and some of the cast from The Chosen are going to be there. It's it's really going to be a special time again, but all of it is tying back to this heartbeat of seeing people know Jesus, seeing people equipped and excited in their faith. And I like to remind people as well, this anniversary that happened in 72 the the situation wasn't much different then than it is now. I mean, obviously there's tons of complexity and, and nuance, but you know, in the late '60s and '70s, I mean, it was a time of crazy division, uh, political chaos. JFK was assassinated. There was a war in Vietnam. There were riots in the streets. People were leaving the church. Uh, church attendance was was not high. And uh, and out of the ashes of that moment, a new Uh, moment was birthed and, um, it, uh, it changed, it changed our nation. And and I believe we're we're living at the, at the dawn of a new era and we need a new revival. We need a new movement. That's Mm -hmm. why
1: we're coming together. Talking Together 22 with Nick Hall, uh, an evangelism conference designed to equip and empower young people. Nick, when we come back from a short break, I'm going to ask you, about what you referenced just a couple of minutes ago, and that is the idea of bearing fruit and how important that is in terms of our witnessing for the gospel. Lend an ear to a love song. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen and Peter Kapsner filling in for today. We've been talking with Nick Hall from Together 22 conference, it's an evangelism conference, the 50th anniversary. Being hosted in Dallas, Texas, there is plenty of room still for you as well, even though, Nick, you said the stadium is basically going to be pretty full from the way it sounds.
2: You know, people are registering every day. Uh, It it really has been, I mean, as they say, this is a hot ticket. You know, so we definitely are encouraging people um, get online. Uh, It's just Pulse.org. You can find the link to register. It's free. Um, you know, I had a group last night, even from Indiana, uh, just messaging and saying they're, they're bringing a van, um, last week, three buses, uh, just literally planned last week are being filled from Western North Dakota. And so they're, they're going 20, I don't know what it is, 21 hours. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I really think that, that what's happening is, is historic. Uh, I think there's people that are really feeling stirred and uh, they feel the urgency. We, we all see the problems around us, whether it's the division in politics or the pain of you know, the shootings that have been happening. Um, it, it's just, there, there's a need for light in the midst of the darkness. And, um, and so the music's gonna be amazing. Again, the lineup is, is a who's who. I mean, We the Kingdom, Crowder, uh, Chris Tomlin, Jeremy Camp, Lecrae, KB, Um, it's, it's really going to be a blast, but, but more than just good music, uh, the purpose of this event is a commissioning. It's a training and a commissioning. Um, and so our hope is to see just believers from all over the country, just set on fire, sent home with a vision uh, to share Jesus in their schools, uh, in their communities online. Um, again, just to, to see evangelism. Uh, come back, I think we're praying for evangelism revival and a revival of the evangelist as a calling and so, you know, as I said earlier, um man, it's time to to bear fruit, it's time to be connected, and it's time to go into all the world
1: yeah, and if evangelism is bearing witness to the good news, I know that for very long seasons, evangelism was primarily done through the explanation of what was true biblically, what was true theologically, and, and those things matter and need to be maintained as part of any kind of gospel idea, witness, presentation, but I think people are really hungry for a demonstration of authentically changed lives, and and, and Nick, we can't drum up a changed life in and of ourselves. We have to interact with that resurrection power that is available to us uh, now that Jesus did conquer sin and death, And and young people, I'm guessing, are hungry for not just authenticity, but authenticity that is demonstrated in true hope, true love, true joy, these sorts of things that are only available in the kingdom.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, people are hungry. I mean, I i have never, um, I'm an evangelist, you know, I was mentored by a lot of great evangelists, but in, I've never in my 20 years of being, uh, doing this as a job, um, but then even before that, I mean, I've been sharing my faith since I was little, um, You know, nobody ever had to tell me to do it. I mean, I think that's what it means to be an evangelist is it's just who I am. But in my entire life, I would say I've never seen people more open uh, to conversations about God and spirituality than they have been the last two years. And and I would describe this. People are just starved for being heard. They're, They're starved for being seen. Um. You know we we all I mean me included I mean if somebody asks me how 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 am I doing and you know and looks me in the eyes and cares I mean that is that 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 is un so uncommon right now. I mean people are busy and they don't care and uh, or at least that's how it seems and so I, I literally every week will have numerous conversations and opportunities to see people pray and and come to Jesus and experience the hope of the gospel. And, and it is just because I'm, I'm, I'm caring. Um, and that's what we're teaching people at the cotton bowl is like, just how to go out into this complex world and, you know, and just be, be a light, how to go out and love your neighbor, how to go out and love your friends, how to have that conversation that, that matters. Because again, I think, bearing fruit and seeing people know Jesus should be part of the normal Christian life. These shouldn't be things that only a tiny fraction of people experience. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it became weird, you know, but it it somehow it became weird to be a Christian who shares your faith. And biblically, I would say it's, it was weird to not, I mean, the, the people that Jesus told not to tell anybody that was one of the only, you know, commands that you know they they wouldn't they wouldn't obey they they would still have to tell people because when you experience something so good you can't keep it to yourself.
1: Nick, we got to leave it there for this morning but if people want to participate in the Together 22 conference where can they go to find out more information?
2: Yeah, everything's online pulse.org and just click the Together 22 tab and uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be an awesome time. Bring your family, bring your youth group. We'll see you there.
1: Yeah, thanks for what you're doing, Nick. We'll definitely be following up uh, later, probably have you back on the program to hear how the whole conference went. Have a great rest of the morning. Thank you. We'll take a short break and wrap up our show for the 13th of June here on Mornings Without Carmen. Delightful to start the day with all of you as part of the Faith Radio family, fixing our eyes on Jesus together. If you missed any part of this morning's show, you're going to want to head to MyFaithRadio.com. Go to the Mornings with Carmen show page and catch all of the conversations, starting with Dave Buring. We talked about love from First Corinthians 13. Adam Carrington then joined us, talked a bit about the legal rulings that impacted us uh, and will impact us in this week ahead. Mindy Belts some of the global headlines, and of course, just now, Nick Hall in the Together 22 conference, Sharing Faith equipping young people to do just that. Uh, Never, maybe more than now, do we need people that will rise up in the next generation to be people that are genuinely filled with hope and with love and with joy. The things of the kingdom. Paul, we started the show just with that, that we need to operate from this place Mm -hmm. of love. And it is not a love that we can drum up ourselves. If you're like me, I struggle oftentimes through gritted teeth to try to (laughs) maybe do the right thing. And that's very different than just being anchored in the kingdom and asking God to work and flow through us.
2: Exactly. And the, the very source of our love is the fact that he first loved us. And that becomes the fuel that propels us to be able to love others.
1: Absolutely. Greater love has no man than this, and they lay down their life for a friend. And of course... God demonstrated his love for us in doing just that, that he came for his friends, his beloved, his image bearers, people caught in the leprosy and and, and the cancer that is sin that was disfiguring the beautiful imagers in this world. And while we were yet sinners... Jesus played the long game with us, came for us, and in his long-suffering way, redeemed us from all of it. We celebrate again today that that tomb is empty. That tomb will be empty tomorrow. It will be empty next week, next month, next year, and for all of eternity to come. Death has been beaten. Fix your eyes on him today and every day as part of the Faith Radio family. Catch you tomorrow, everybody.